My name is Erin Bross, and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, here we are again uh, on a Friday. Now I'm sure many of you are starting to mobilize and get things ready. We obviously just received a huge huge announcement from the government with our silviculture sector guidelines so that's a huge first step forward and of course even though I know everything has been really crazy this year um, or I shouldn't use the word crazy more chaotic um, with the pandemic and with the delays and just with waiting for so long without really knowing what was going on but regardless Um, dog safety in tree planting was pertinent before this and will be pertinent after this. I did this interview with Celine well before uh, anything about this pandemic came about and obviously things have changed a lot and I'm sure they have changed a lot for this upcoming interior season uh, when it comes to having dogs around, but regardless, if your company is still allowing dogs, these rules uh, or guidelines, I should say, definitely come into play. So, Celine is a planter foreman and jo- joint OHNS committee member with Brinkman Reforestation, and she earned a pre veterinary animal science. Bachelor's of Science in 2015, and she's been working in vet clinics as a veterinarian's assistant on the off-season ever since. Uh, She strives to educate and support dog owners in forestry workplaces and remote communities throughout Canada, and near the end of the interview, we talk about a really sweet little project that she has begun, creating a first aid kit for the bush for dogs, which... I had never really thought of, but when she mentioned it, you know, there couldn't be anything more pertinent um, and and missing, really, in the bush. I mean, we carry first aid kits for ourselves, but we don't carry first aid kits for our animals, and there's a lot of things that are different about animals um, from humans, so yeah, It was really interesting. I learned a lot from Celine, and I hope you all do as well. Uh, A version of her work was actually shared at the annual WFCA conference um, back in January. So, yeah, hopefully this will become an industry standard eventually. And, uh, yeah, she's just in the beginning stages of her first aid kit project. But definitely stay tuned into the future. when we do have updates in the coming year so, I will definitely be sharing them on here. So um, I've also in the show notes 
put a post that Celine just posted on King Kong yesterday with a reminder, you know, don't forget about your dogs in, in stocking up for the season. Like we'll all have to do being in isolation most of the time. And she provided a very comprehensive list of things that you would need for your dog this season should anything go awry, anything go wrong. If you can't take it into a vet and, uh, you know, it has anything minor enough that you can, hopefully deal with it just out in camp. Um, and I've also linked the Facebook post she made back in, I think it was January or February, early February, um, with the PDF that she created. So she's created a comprehensive safety manual for dog owners in the backcountry. And this is for employment or leisure. So it can be applied to tree planting. It can also be applied if you're just in the backcountry with your dogs. So yeah, it's a great little PDF and it is on King Kong. So I hope you all enjoy this interview and I hope uh, this finds you safe and healthy and hopefully mobilizing effectively for your upcoming season. Hey, Celine, welcome to the show. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, first off, let's start with a little bit about you. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Okay, so my name is Celine Ritz. I am currently living in Revelstoke. Um, I've been planting for, I guess, eight years now. And when I'm not planting, uh, my life, I guess, pursuit has always been to become a veterinarian. So right now I am working as a veterinarian's assistant and hopefully getting into vet school before I'm too old and then becoming a vet. But yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Right on. And how did you get into tree planting? Uh, my grandpa was a forester, so he was very involved in a lot of the different avenues of forestry, and it was always his wish that I was involved like he was. So um, there's a really amazing camp in Fernie, where I'm from. Uh, I was lucky enough to get on it at kind of the right time in my life when I had lots of time to explore planting and, and be outdoors. So yeah, that was eight years ago now. And, you know, after your first camp, like once a tree planter, always a tree planter. So since I was a greener, it's been something I've been very passionate about and I'm really happy to be a part of still. So had you been exposed to planting at all before you actually started? Um, just mentioning that your grandfather was a, a forester, like were you kind of, were you aware of it maybe a little bit more than the average person's or being exposed to, like, I don't know how, what he worked within forestry if, if he was I in mean, silviculture, but. Yeah, bush camps for sure. Not specifically tree planting camps, um, but bush camps I had been in, um, nurseries, uh, I always got to hang out with the the guys in the nursery when I was young, um, but not planting camps. That was definitely a new experience for me when I when I started. I was very green, <laughs> you could say. And uh, so, are you from BC originally? Then, yeah, I'm from Fernie. Oh, okay, right, of course. Um, and so, you know, especially being from Fernie, um, I'm gonna you know just make a bit of an assumption that you probably already spent a lot of time outside as you were growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That was. I spent a lot of time outside. Yeah, for sure. So it was, did you feel like it was a bit of a, a natural progression for you going into planting? Like, especially just with the, the camping aspect and, you know, the extensive amount of time outdoors. Yeah. I mean, I loved it right off the bat. And I know it's something that I've talked about as a foreman with my rookies that kind of the biggest thing to adjust or get used to 
when you start tree planting is that you are life outdoors 100% of the time. So that wasn't really too much of an adjustment for me. Um, obviously there were a lot of other things I struggled with as I figured out kind of how to be a planter, but, um, the outdoor aspect of it was very, it came naturally. And so how has, you know, cause obviously you've got some other aspirations here, um, with vet school and sort of some other passions as well, but, but how has tree planting changed or impacted your life? Um, it came planting came at a very formative time in my life as a young adult and I really appreciated planting for obviously the outdoors and and the hard work but planting really is the ultimate equalizer it really strips everybody of any um, kind of facade or smoke and mirrors and you see people very in a very honest portrayal and and you really learn to coexist with a lot of people that you wouldn't normally have in your life outside of planting so I really love the interpersonal relation side of things as well as just being outdoors. And I love working hard and I love being busy. So planting was definitely something that really harnessed that energy and, and used it for good, which is amazing because we're out there planting trees and it's, yeah, I, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm definitely one of those people too, that just loves the job so much. Um, Definitely not everybody is like that. And I'm a bit of an anomaly, I would say. So yeah, when I meet other people who are like that, you know, you can, you can tell just by the way they talk about it. And, and yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, Cause I know some people think I'm a bit crazy with how much I just like enjoy the job, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite tree planting memory? Like uh, any, anything that, you know, pops into your head right off the bat. When oh my I ask that question. Uh, we had, Oh my gosh, I don't even know that there's so many memories. I think one um, memory that I always talk about and I hold dearly because it is just so obscure to anyone who hasn't planted before, but we had like an intergalactic contract done party years and years ago and it was a full moon Oh wow! and we had Northern Lights and it was bizarre and eclectic group of people. There was a big bonfire, you know how planting camps end and it was just how the whole night, you know, it was just, it was above us. It was in camp. It was, it was spooky. It kind of gives you goosebumps thinking about it because it's so raw and wild and like a full moon and Northern lights. Like it it was just, it was something that kind of haunts you in a way. So that was a very beautiful moment, I think just visually, but also just something um, that I think about just because planting is so weird and, and, and different and obscure. And I, and I love it for that. So, um, I mean, obviously I have a lot of really cool memories about running into wildlife, um, you know, grizzly bears, right. Knocking on your door and seeing these beautiful vistas in the mountains. And you know, you're totally by yourself. There's a million, a million things that you could think about, but yeah, that, that one party specifically, (laughs) it was a very cool night. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Um, I, and I actually don't think I can say I've ever really seen Northern Lights when I've been planting and, and certainly not like that. Like I'm just, you know, I've got like a visual in my head and it's just, uh, yeah. Cause the Northern Lights are one of my favorite things. And yeah, that would be incredible, especially celebrating the end of a contract because every yeah, tree planter knows that's like, it's like winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it was one of those things that everyone was like, this is, 
crazy. Like this is, this is incredible. We were all just kind of like, this is nuts. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so not to like go on a darker note, but, uh, of course there's highs and lows to this job. So I'm curious then, you know, with your favorite tree plant memory, what your worst tree planting memory is. That's a good one. Cause there's a lot of terrible memories within your own self that you battle you battle a lot of internal I wouldn't say demons but sometimes the dialect within your own head can be really negative and a lot of people really have suffering moments where they are very deep in the depths of their you know whether it's self-loathing or you're angry or you're overworked and tired um to be honest some of the traumatic experiences that I've seen dogs go through might be the lowest of the lows for me I have seen um you know a dog that was run over by a a parked car and it backed over it and um it it didn't die right away and it was it was horrific and it, it upset me very deeply and you know knowing the owner and the dog and the person driving the vehicle you know those are the moments that you can't really ever recover from and so there are some very deep um emotional moments that you hold very closely to you that you know I've kind of tried to use moments like that um for good and that's why I've um kind of designed a dog safety know-how booklet (laughs) and product that I really want to share with planters to really help support dog owners in camp specifically And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning here your intentions of, you know, getting into vet school and kind of going that route. So I'm curious, um, and this is obviously a difficult question, but uh, how long you plan to plant for in the future? Or is it kind of (laughs) open-ended? Do you have a bit of a game plan with that? Just curious. Yeah, you know, I've never really wanted to put an expiry date on it. I can definitely feel my body is changing every spring when I start planting again. I do have a lot of kind of chronic overuse injuries that I'm battling um, really as long as I can because every year that I come back to planting, you know, I, I wait for it all winter. I'm so excited for it in the spring. And then as soon as it's over, I want more. So really until that feeling within me changes, um, but for the time being, I am happy planting for as long as I can. Okay. And, and so you mentioned, you know, you're a planter, you're also a foreman now, um, and you're also uh, an OHNS, so an Occupational Health and Safety Committee member um, with the company that you work for. So, um, and this obviously coincides with what you just mentioned um, with, you know, safety for dogs and some of the stuff that you've created that we're going to be talking about. So how did this sort of line of work with implanting come about for you and uh yeah like what's the story behind that um well dogs have definitely been a huge part of my life growing up as a kid I was obsessed with dogs and I knew I always wanted to be a veterinarian and um it wasn't really until I got into tree planting that I realized that there was a real lapse in education and support um for people who live in the bush you know we're so especially recently, we're really emphasizing the importance of safety for our planters and support, you know, whether it's um, harassment or, you know, there's a lot of stuff recently just about sexual harassment that is really coming to light. And I think there's a lot of things in planting that wasn't addressed before. 
um, that we're really looking at with an honest eye now. And I think dog safety, um, there just really hasn't been anything implemented yet. And I think just bridging the, the knowledge of what I have in a clinical veterinary workplace, um, as well as my degree with forestry, because um, just about everyone can say they've been in bush camp with a dog or they know a dog that goes in the backcountry with them. And those dogs are very much deserving of, of proper first aid care if they get hurt. So it was something that I wanted to, to provide because I just didn't really see it out there. And I, I think of anybody, I think I'd probably know. Um, I know a lot about it, so I want to help. I'm curious as well if, um, you know, that your experiences planting have kind of influenced this or, you know, like I'm curious as to um, why you didn't just kind of go and go the, the vet route right away or maybe there was other things that were kind of impeding that from happening initially. <laughs> and obviously, like you said, you know, you're trying to get into vet school because of course it's hard to get into. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious um, why you've sort of chosen this route Um, and that in the future, um, you know, when you do get into vet school, are you going to kind of mostly go that route? Do you maybe hope to merge the two just because you love planting so much? Um, and and yeah, they're kind of your two passions. So I'm, I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you'd keep them separate or if you try and incorporate that somehow in the, in the future together. Well, nothing about what I've done so far to become a vet has been linear. Like there's, you know, a route that you can take where you just go school, school, school the whole way. And for myself, I've, I've really done a lot of stuff outside of, of school. Um, but I find it to be just as valuable as far as life lessons and, and things that I've learned through experience, such as tree planting, um, that I wouldn't be, you know, where I'm at without it. So I don't really know what the future holds as far as getting into school, if it is possible at all. I mean, it's really competitive, so we'll see. But ideally, I would love to do as much outreach as I can. I've done a lot of volunteer work with uh, spay and neuter clinics on different Native reservations, and we we try and emphasize educating the, the community just as much as as doing these clinics where we sterilize the animals just to prevent any you know, unwanted litters. So I really do see the value in outreach because when you educate an individual or a community, you're not only providing them with the knowledge you're providing, it just trickles out outward. And I think it it can be much more far reaching in that sense, especially for these communities that are a little bit more invisible, I guess you could, you could say such as planting camps that are hours away from vet clinics. Mm-hmm. And they and they can often be, you know, within the vicinity of these small communities, you know, so often in, in the areas that we plant, you know, our day off towns generally are some of these small communities or, or close to reserves and places where where, yeah, I mean, these, these issues can exist that, that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think educating owners and people's people in these communities, um, it will last for generations. It really will. I, I have seen just how beneficial support is for, for people because veterinarians are not exactly in every corner of the country. Mm-hmm. They're generally in cities or communities with a big population. So to live on your own, you're really kind of being that person. You're, you're the person providing the care or making decisions on your animal's behalf. So um, the more you know, the better 
the better you can make these decisions. Yeah. And I can really attest to that because here in Tofino, uh, we just, uh, got a a vet clinic, uh, just opened up. There was some, uh, people that moved to town just in this past fall. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was, you know, quite a process for them to, to go through, you know, all of the policies and everything else they needed to. And I mean, that's still an ongoing process. There's still a lot that they can't do here, but before that, the closest vet, uh, is in Port Alberni and that's with the highway construction going on. That's about a two hour drive away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the closest yeah, medical access that anyone has for their pets here. So mm-hmm. as a, as a smaller remote community, um, yeah, it's definitely a huge issue. Um, that there just isn't that kind of access everywhere, uh, not in the same manner at all. So, um, so I, I'm curious, um, and, uh, yeah, just like to hear more about, um, you know, planting for you and, and with animals. Uh, so, so do you, do you have a dog? Do you, if, if so, do you, do you bring your dog planting? Um, like, have you always brought your dog planting even from your, your rookie season? Um, yeah, I'm curious about sort of your own story with dogs. So I have never actually owned a dog until this season, which is kind of crazy because it was something that I've wanted my whole life, like so desperately my whole life I wanted a dog. But this is um, my first year as a dog owner in camp. So I'm really excited about that. I have a six-month-old German Shepherd Elkhound Cross and his name is Fella. Um, he's an awesome dog and I'm really excited to to go planting with him because I know he's going to love it. Um but before before the season, this will be my yeah my first season with a dog. And so, how are you feeling about uh, you know like have you been doing a lot of training uh, with him in preparation? Um, are you are there any things you're you're nervous about or confident about when it comes to bringing him out to the block this season? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, everything. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm, I'm so excited for him to meet my friends' dogs, the ones that I've seen in camps over the years. Um, because you're, you know, you're friends with those dogs just as much as you are with their owners. Um, I do have a lot of worry. I try to detach from it, but I do, I think it's just because of all the, the situations that I see at the vet clinic. I do consider all the things that can and may go wrong. So I do obsess over that a little bit. Um, but luckily in Revelstoke, we have, um, a home base for the Canadian Avalanche Rescue Dog Association. So that's really cool because there are a lot of dogs in town that are search and rescue trained. They're avalanche rescue trained. Um, we have a canine RCMP unit here. Um, so that's definitely something that I've been, um, pursuing with Fella, my dog. Um, we're enrolling in the CARDA puppy enrollment in the spring for, for search and rescue. So it's going to be a really exciting couple of months as he ages, um, just with training and, and seeing where he can really flourish. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he um, ends up growing up like, because right now he's just a puppy. So everything is just fun and games for him. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I've had some friends go through CARDA um, a little bit for search and rescue, but mostly mm-hmm. for, for avalanche uh, related purposes. And it is amazing to see, and just my own experiences working sort of in that industry, uh, it's amazing to see what dogs can do um, and what they can be trained to do uh, is, is pretty incredible. Um, so, so yeah, I hope that, you know, everything goes smoothly for you guys, uh, this season. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. I've already taken him out. You know, he's he's definitely an outdoor dog. He loves being outside and loves being in the woods with us. We spend a lot of time outside in the winter anyways. Um, so he is definitely well-versed about life in the bush already as a puppy. So just to get him in planting camp, I'm I'm so excited. I'm like counting down the weeks till we can get, get him in camp. So I'm really curious um, how this dog guide came about. You know, I've, I've, I've taken a look at it. You posted it on King Kong um, and I've kind of scrolled through it. But of course, you know, not being a dog owner myself, it doesn't super apply to me. Although I have pretty much been with dogs in almost every um, tree planting camp I've been in, in terms of bush camps. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm really curious as to the process behind it, you know, how long you've been working on it and just sort of, yeah, the the history behind this project. Mm -hmm. It was something that came to fruition last January. Um, I talked to Robin McCullough with Brinkman about it and it was done in about a month. Um, So it was ready to go uh, for the coastal start of the season. And I'm curious because, um, you know, with some of the stuff you mentioned in the guide and, and obviously, you know, you've even mentioned beforehand some of the unfortunate um, circumstances that dogs can be put in and, and is often the biggest risk for them on and off the block is, is being run over by trucks, um, you know, very much by accident because, you know, dogs love to hang out under the trucks when it's a hot day because it's a shady spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the, the hardest parts of that is not really knowing what to do with an animal when you're not a vet. And like, I'm curious, I have no idea if there's even any kind of first aid training out there for animals, because we have so much extensive first aid training for people. And, and especially within this industry, you know, management are always trained um, and you have to have like your OHNS standards. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. I don't know if you know if there's already something like that within the industry, within management that you guys get trained in at all, or, you know, perhaps that needs to be something going forward that happens as well. There isn't anything that I'm aware of yet, um, but that is something that I am striving to be the one that provides that information for. That's definitely something that I see, you know, let's say a year, two years or three years down the road to be able to have um, a first aid course or at least just a seminar for dog owners in camp um, if they want. If they want it, great. If not, you know, missing out on, a, on an opportunity to learn and to to better care for your dog. But I, as far as I know, there really isn't anything out there yet. There are some um, dog specific first aid courses that you can take, but that's mostly for um, people in the um, medical industry as, you know, veterinarians, veterinarian assistants, that sort of thing. Um, But nothing in bush camp, as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, I mean, obviously not being a dog owner, but it's something that I could see being so beneficial Um, you know, especially with any incidents with dogs and other wildlife, because often, you know, it's the dog that's then protecting the owner. Um, and so saving your own life, but then maybe the dog gets injured in the process and, you know, being able to deal with that effectively because, you know, sure we have a lot of, you know, similar organs and things, but there are totally different 
animal than we are. So they operate differently. And, and yeah, unless you're a vet or you're exposed to that kind of stuff. I mean, like, I don't really know much about the anatomy of a dog um, mm-hmm. and how it would maybe be different to treat a broken leg for them versus a human and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, that, that all sounds uh, really interesting. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your dog guide and sort of what people can expect to find in there? Yeah, so it's pretty lengthy. Um, so it's definitely something that you want to sit down with and and take time to kind of read through it. I do. I know that it's a very wordy document. Um, that is kind of how I tend to write things. But I just wanted to be as comprehensive and complete as I could. Um, so there's a couple different points just on general camp safety for dog owners, um, responsibilities that they have as a dog owner in camp, uh, responsibilities for all other camp members. Um, there's advice for preventing conflict with wildlife, what to look for, for signs of toxicity, anaphylaxis, emergencies, um, you know, something like bandaging is super important to know CPR, because most people, um, don't know how, if they had to, how to perform CPR on a dog. Most people just kind of give you a blank stare when you ask if they know how to do it. Um, and it's definitely something that is a, you know, it could it could save a dog's life. So um, yeah, information about that. There's some first aid bandaging solutions um, and just as much information as I could put in there pertaining to dogs um, for all elements of, of living in the bush, whether it be for just caring for your dog or responding to a life and death critical situation. And I know that Dog Guide um, is sort of being distributed within within Brinkman um, because that's where you've sort of created it and and where you're working. Mm-hmm. Are you hoping to have this Dog Guide shared and used by other tree planting companies as well? I would love that. I mean, Brinkman is is who I made it for, um, so I'm happy, you know, making a revised version for other companies. But I I was given permission to share this as an individual because this is you know the document that I wrote. So as long as it is being used to educate and support dog owners, I am happy that it gets out there to anybody really. And so, you know, last month, uh, which was January, um, you did share the guide at the um, WFCA annual conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how was the initial response to that? Because that, that would have been industry wide just within forestry. Um, so, you know, not even just within the tree planting world, also mm-hmm. with, you know, some other entities that we, that we often um, incorporate ourselves with. So yeah, I, I'm curious as to any reactions that you had had from that uh, at the conference. Well, I, I hate to admit it, but I wasn't even at the conference. It was a version of my work that was shared kind of on my behalf, um, mm-hmm. just because while I was writing this, it was, the conference was just around the corner. So someone else um, spoke for that little session. Um, but looking forward, that is definitely something that I want to be spearheading is these talks with industry, um, whether it's um, camp supervisors, foremen, uh, occupational health and safety correspondent, anyone that can then relay that message, planters, I want to really get in there and, and be the one that talks about how important this really is Um, not just, you know, for the obvious benefit for the animals, but for a company to provide that support for their employees, I think is an incredibly valuable thing for them to do. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you know, this would even have a wider reach within the whole forest industry. Because, um, yeah, you know, even even for foresters and forest engineers uh, going out there uh, who may be, you know, they're often working alone or working with one or two other people, but, you know, perhaps walking far apart from each other are often, you know, people who bring dogs out as well. And so that, you know, that could also be a tool uh, within other areas of, of this industry to, yeah, to, to provide, um, skills that where there's really a gap, um, right now for this kind of stuff. So, you know, have you ever considered, uh, trying to reach a little bit wider and, and build off of, you know, not just being planting, but like, yeah, like silviculture wide, forestry wide. Absolutely. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, I think it's something that is is a shame not to take advantage of um, just so that we can be the best dog owners that we can for our animals. But um, I do believe that if you bring your animal into the wilderness, you should be just as much prepared to protect and rescue them as you would another planter or another person that you work with or yourself in the event of an emergency or injury. Um, so I'm right now in the infancy of a new project, um, designing a first aid kit specifically for dogs in forestry. And I wanted to have that for something, not only for employees in forestry, but for people who take their dog backcountry skiing, biking, hiking, um, here in Revelstoke, we have a lot of dogs that are, um, working dogs in, in the outdoors, such as dog sledding dogs. Um, like I said before, the Carta avalanche dogs. So this product that um, I'm designing will be as far reaching as I can get it. Um, but I really do want to be able to provide that support um, and knowledge for people, for just about anybody who takes their dog into the backcountry with them, whether it's for work or leisure. Yeah, that's amazing um, because yeah, I haven't really heard of anything like that. And it it would really be beneficial for so many other uses that are not just tree planting, but of course to have, you know, a first aid kit like that in the trucks every day, um, you know, could save a dog's life if something bad happened on the block. Uh, do you have any sort of, I mean, I know you're busy with a lot of stuff and obviously you're, you're going to be going planting this year as well, but, um, do you have an idea of, of when you want to kind of get this off the ground and, and, you know, have these first aid kits available? Are, are you planning to do that maybe next season or uh, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've just been going off of how quickly I can get the product ready to go. Um, so it really depends on how quickly I can get the product together, but ideally I would like it ready for next planting season. So maybe this time next year, I'll have a fully functional product that I can sell. And would that be just within Brinkman or are you hoping, you know, a product that you can sell potentially to other planting companies as well? I mean, I would like this to be something that anybody can access. I think it's incredibly valuable to have a first aid kit in your home, in your glove box of your truck. Um, I know a lot of us in British Columbia have unfortunately been on the fringe or have been um, actually in, within an evacuation zone where we've been, you know, whether it be forest fire or something going on um, where we need to evacuate quickly out of our homes. And we had a few scares a couple summers ago in Fernie. And it was something that I realized that most people weren't ready for an evacuation or an emergency like that in their home with their animals. So 
Um, it's it's going to be something that anybody can use. Um, I have spoken with um, the veterinary clinics that I have worked with in the past, uh, one of which being in Fernie, one of which being here in Revelstoke, and they have offered to sell the product. So I really just want this to be something that anyone who takes their dog outdoors with them can have. That's so cool. And yeah, I would echo that, you know, even here in Tofino, um, because we're always you know, we have the tsunami warning protocols mm-hmm. in effect here. Of course, we're in a fairly active earthquake zone um, right along the plate boundary. So, you know, that's one of sort of the natural disasters that we would need to be the most prepared for. Um, yeah, so, you know, it would even be pertinent really in yeah, any remote community or, or any remote places that you're going to. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I would say that, you know, we were talking a bit earlier and obviously a lot of this stuff's just getting up and running right now, but of course, um, you know, I'm going to put this in the show notes, um, that there are ways that people will be able to get a hold of you and, uh, you know, hopefully stay tuned. Do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, the website that you're hoping to launch and, uh, all that jazz? Yeah. So the product, I guess I should have, um, said the product name for these, <clears throat> for these, uh, first aid kits. Um, the name of the kits is Bark, namely because I wanted to kind of have a little um, bit of tree planting or forestry um, in there. But Bark stands for Backcountry Aid and Rescue Kit. So these first aid kits um, will be sold through a website that I have yet to make. Um, but right now my, my email address is Bark, B-A-R-K, firstaid at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay. And that will be in the show notes for everybody listening who is curious, wants more information, whether you're just a regular person that goes into the backcountry with your dog or whether you are within the tree planting industry. Um, perhaps you're a foreman or supervisor or owner and you are curious about incorporating this, um, you know, into your trucks, uh, in your company. Um, hopefully next year that, that would be awesome. So, uh, best of luck with all of this, um, Selim, because I think it's incredible and it's filling a void that we've had for a long time um, in this industry in terms of, yeah, just ensuring the safety of our dogs as well as people. Yeah. And and I know that um, just with the right amount of knowledge and kind of empowerment through knowledge, um, it will really help dog owners better care for their dogs, which is what every dog owner wants to be the best dog owner that they can be. So um, obviously this is made for the dogs, but also for the, for the people looking after them. I'm curious if you, if you've got like a, like a beta version that you're going to try and test out uh, this summer, mm-hmm. like with you and fella. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I already have a first aid kit um, in my house. It's pretty ridiculously big um, just because I usually take things from the clinic um, that I think might be helpful, but I have definitely been using him as a little model for any sort of emergent situations that may arise. Um, so he's definitely been my guinea pig, <laughs> poor guy. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been teaching me. I'm a first time dog owner, so um, a lot of what I've heard about dog emergencies, I've heard secondhand or I've experienced um, with someone else's dog. So this is the first year that I'll really have my own dog to worry about. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm using him or I guess he's helping me, I should say, to, to really streamline the product to make it something that um, is as efficient and, and streamlined as possible. 
Awesome. Um, and so just, just to wrap up here, I like to ask everybody this question uh, and, you know, feel free to put like a dog spin on it too, if you want. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is considering going tree planting, you know, maybe with or without a dog and, uh, or someone who will be going tree planting for their first time this year, perhaps mm. with or without a dog? Oh man. Like what advice would I give myself when I was green? Just do it. I, I thank tree planting for, for punishing me and for, for being such an amazing experience that has been so difficult. And, you know, it's one of those love hate relationships with just about everybody um, that you always speak of fondly. So um, for anyone who's new at planting, just jump right in, experience it for what it's worth, really open yourself up to it. Um, For people with dogs, prepare yourself be honest with what you know. Um, be honest about what your dog is capable of, um, and ask for help when you need it. I think, um, as a community, tree planters are incredibly helpful and resourceful. Um, they are always willing to help. So, as a community, I think helping one another just comes second nature. So, yeah, just enjoy it. Whether or not it's something that you'll do again, that's really not the point. Um, tree planting, even if you've only done it once is something that you will carry with you proudly for the rest of your life. So yeah, enjoy it. Take lots of photos. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Show your awesome. grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Celine. It was, it was awesome to hear yeah. all your expertise and your passion behind what you do. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely stay tuned perhaps for a future episode when Bark launches. And yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah I'm, I'm really excited for, your, for this project. Yeah. And I, I really do open, um, any sort of question that and anyone has for me, um, or for the bark product itself. If you've experienced something traumatic in the bush with another, with a dog and, and you would like some advice as to how that could have been handled differently. Um, I'm always willing to talk, um, because I think opening up that conversation makes it something that's less scary, uh, for people involved and just something that we can all help be a part of. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I hope you and Fella have a great season. (laughs) Thanks, we will. We'll send you some photos of his first uh, spring in camp. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.